The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome members of our armed forces who are joining us from around the world, and also new listeners in Colorado and Arizona. Thank you for being with us. My guest today is former Senate Majority Leader, Mr. Tom Daschle. And with all the wrangling and tug-of-war going on in our nation's capital, we're going to hear from someone who knows all the players and all the moves, and is probably feeling pretty happy to have exited when he did. But we'll find out whether that's true or not and whether he has any plans to parachute back in and take care of business in just a moment. Before Mr. Daschle joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little bit about his background. Thomas Andrew Daschle was born in Aberdeen, South Dakota, the eldest of four sons. He earned his degree in political science from South Dakota State University, making him the first person in his family to graduate college. In 1969, Daschle entered the the United States Air Force, where he worked as an intelligence officer until 1972. Later, he signed on as an aide to Senator James Aberesque, and in 1978, Daschle was elected to the House of Representatives. Eight years later, Daschle joined the Senate, where he served as minority leader, majority leader, Minority leader, majority leader, and minority leader again. With all the back and forth during that time, it's hard to keep track. Uh, That said, Daschle was one of the hardest working members in the U.S. Senate, serving on the Finance Committee, Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry Committees, Veterans Affairs, Indian Affairs, the Ethics Committee, and, well, you get the picture. For a while, Daschle was showing up everywhere, and some of us suspected he might have a doppelganger somewhere. Uh, Adding credence to that theory, uh, there could be a twin. Daschle also managed to author several books, including his book, Critical, What We Can Do About the Healthcare Crisis, which I want to recommend to anyone confused about the current health debate, uh, which I think is pretty much everyone. Mr. Daschle retired from the Senate in 2005 and joined D.L. Piper as a policy advisor. He's also a member of the Health Policy and Management Executive Council at the Harvard School of uh, Public Health and a member of the Global Policy Advisory Council for the Health Worker Migration Initiative. And I also want to add that in 2007, Daschle joined George Mitchell, Bob Dole, and Howard Baker to create the Bipartisan Policy Center, a think tank aimed at encouraging bipartisanship, uh, something we'll talk more about later in today's program. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report a man who is often called the original architect of the Affordable Health Care Act, Mr. Tom Daschle. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Daschle. Glad to be with you. Thank you. Uh, If it's all right with you, uh, I want to open the program today by pointing out that in July of last year, uh, that's July of 2012, uh, you seemed to be trying to get everyone's attention when you were asked about the Affordable Health Care Act. And and you said, quote, I am not as worried on the policy side as I am on the budgetary side, which means that you saw the current debacle coming over a year ago. So what did you know then that our other leaders didn't see coming? Well, the implications of health in any context are as much budgetary as they are having to do with all of the issues related to health themselves. And so you can't separate cost from the quality and access questions or the overall uh, assessment of our current health infrastructure. They're so directly interrelated. The cost implications are huge for the government, but they're huge for the country and for individual people and families as well. Now, you made the point in 2012 that uh, repealing the health care law uh, was an uphill climb, and so choking off funding for key provisions was a more likely strategy. Am I right? That's right. The 
approach to repeal, of course, would never get anywhere because obviously the uh, legislation would have to be signed by the president, and that would never happen. But any any uh, member of Congress, but especially one body of Congress, has an enormous capacity to influence ultimately the funding levels associated with any particular program, even though the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, is largely an entitlement program. There are um, significant budgetary uh, matters that are affected by the discretionary accounts that uh, provide for the implementation of the fund, the administration of the fund, and many of the programs themselves. So there are budgetary issues that fall outside the protections that are generally provided in the uh, entitlement side of the, the program. So, but what does it mean to pass an act like this and then have it killed in funding? I mean, does it really mean anything? You can pass all the acts in the world, but uh, if you don't have money to put gasoline in your car, you can't get very far. Well, that would be the extreme. That would, I mean, ultimately, if you were successful and just completely turning off the spigot, that's exactly what would happen. In this case, you don't do that because, as I said, there's probably about uh, at least two-thirds of the funding for the programs are either entitlement or state-funded in their approaches. The state exchanges, for example, uh, are largely state-funded. There are a number of resources available, of course, for for, uh, uh, implementation from the federal government. So you're really talking about a third. And Mm -hmm. what what the, the the law does, which is unusual, is that it delegated uh, enormous autonomy and authority to the secretary to move funds around and to use her discretion as the uh, secretary and as as one who is um, empowered to to make administrative decisions. So she has uh, what most secretaries only dream of having. She has enormous power and autonomy to help uh, um, accommodate or, or um, respond to these uh, deep budget pressures and and these uh, contingencies that weren't anticipated when the law was enacted. So given that flexibility, given her ability to move the pieces around, given the entitlement and the state funding, uh, they've been able to muddle through. It's just made things a lot more difficult. Yeah, well, even with that said, I've got to believe one of the best decisions you ever made was withdrawing your name for Secretary of Health and Human Services, am I right? Well, it's a little bit like the fireman missing the fire, but you're right. I don't miss the nonsense, the confrontation, the politicization, and all of that. That's It's so unfortunate. Um, so much needs to be done. There's so much work that our country has to address, and we're not doing it today, and that's the tragedy and it's it's sad for people who really believe that our country's best days are still ahead. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, six years ago, you were part of forming the Bipartisan Policy Center with George Mitchell and Bob Dole and Howard Baker. And obviously, things have gotten a lot worse since that time. Uh, We've got about three million Americans listening to us today, and many of them are, are afraid of what they're seeing, and some are just flat out mad. What can you tell them today? Well, they have a right to be mad. They have a right to, uh, I think, be very concerned about the direction our country is currently taking. I, I, um, I, I, this is this is not the way our founding fathers expected things would be. They, you know, they didn't even, of course, support parties, and this is the reason, in part, they were very concerned. They thought there would be too much politicization and too much polarization, and uh, so they really fought the whole idea of having political parties in the first place. George Washington was abhorrently opposed. He just thought they were just uh, the worst thing, and so we've evolved, unfortunately. Um, But I think it's really important for people to express themselves if they feel that way, and and uh, there is a sense in Washington today that uh, that members are uh, probably a little too comfortable in terms of their ability to do things and, and get people to uh, believe whatever it is they're saying or doing. And I don't think that's necessarily true, but it won't be true if people express themselves. And I think they they really need to contact members of Congress, write letters, make phone calls, and express their concern and their frustration, uh, or these members of Congress will keep doing just what they're doing. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think frustration can be useful or it can be debilitating. And uh, it's useful when it energizes you to participate in the democracy. Uh, but if you let it defeat you, if you, if you let it w- cause you to withdraw, then, uh, then it's not such a good thing. So I'd like to see people channel that frustration into taking some action. We're going to have to take our first commercial break. When we come back, we're going to find out why computer-assisted decision-making in healthcare is a great idea. You're listening to The Costa Report. Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. This data is big data. Big data is all data, and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile, and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM Big Data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com slash big data today. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Now, there's a number of ways you can taste wines at the tasting room. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, we currently have nine different wines on our tasting menu, and we really want it to be an experience where you get to taste the wine that you want to taste. So if you want to taste Pinot, you can really focus your flight around that. If you wanted to focus on the bubbles, we have three different sparklings that will allow you to build your flight that way. Or if you came in and you just wanted to taste one wine, we would uh, have it set up for you to be able to do that as well. Now, what's a flight? A flight is basically a combination of small tastes of different wines. If you wanted to taste all of our different Chardonnays, you could taste the 2007 Chardonnay, the 2008, and the 2009, and we would line you up with an individual taste of each of them. Thank you for being with us again, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. Hi, I'm Andy, the produce manager at Ben Lomond Market. This week we are featuring large Washington Gala apples, 99 cents a pound, California red seedless grapes, $1.88 a pound, and butternut squash, 79 cents a pound. From Oregon, D'Anjou pears or Bosque pears, 99 cents a pound, and my favorite eating pear, Comice pears, 88 cents a pound. From Costa Rica, we have large ripe pineapples, two for $4. In organic, local grown sugar pie pumpkins, 98 cents a pound, and butternut squash, 79 cents a pound. From Washington, organic gala apples, $1.69 a pound. New items this week, Giznich Ranch wine sap apples and prime golden apples and California pomegranate seeds. Check out our great selection of fresh produce at Ben Loman Market. For a limited time only, Dave Michaels joins Rosie and the gang on Good Morning Monterey Bay. Wow, you know, I, I think two things when you when listening to that story. I think, one, no wonder why the killer whales love to eat them, right? Because, they, they I mean, they sound delicious. And number two, <laughs> I've never seen whale boobs. I mean, where do they get 100 pounds of, of milk every day? I mean, I've never seen a whale have boobies, breasts. Have you? No, Dave, I haven't, but you can yes. go down Pacific Avenue and you might find a few options. I'm going to Google this. <laughs> whale boobs. <laughs> what do you think I'll come up with? I don't know. <laughs> Some kind of porno site I expect. <laughs> whale <Okay>. boobs. <laughs> oh, my God. That's disgusting. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> On the beach. Uh, gross. See, learning can be fun on Good Morning Monterey Bay, weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. on KSEO AM 1080. 
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former Senate Majority Leader Mr. Tom Daschle. And before the break, we were talking about how the Founding Fathers expressed concern about political parties and warned about this danger uh, early on. Uh, Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, a lot of folks credit you with being one of the original architects of the Affordable Health Care Act, and, and I think we can all agree that this is a pretty complicated plan, so much so that corporations have had to hire outside consultants to help them figure out how to comply. So isn't that part of the problem? Isn't there a point at which you can make something so complicated that you open the door wide open for people to become misinformed? Absolutely. I would just say, though, Rebecca, that our health system is very, very complicated. In fact, I would argue that we really don't have a real national system. We have a collage of subsystems, both public and private. Uh, Medicare and Medicaid are, are, are public subsystems, but then you have all the private insurance as a totally private subsystem, and then you've got uncompensated care, which is a system in and of itself, and then you've got the Veterans Administration and DOD with TRICARE, and that that's a separate system as well. You have all these subsystems, and these collages, uh, this collage of, of subsystems don't really inter, interrelate and and uh, and and uh, the the operational challenges we face and making them work efficiently is part of the reason we're having all the problems we are right now we're going through a, a reconstruction of our health infrastructure and there are a lot of growing pains and a lot of tumultuous transformation that exists here but it's because we started with a very very complicated complicated uh, infrastructure to, uh, to, to begin with I think you make a good point. I think everyone always thinks about uh, Medicare and Medicaid, but they don't think about uh, uh, uncompensated health care or veterans benefits or DOD or all of these subsystems that have to be somehow joined together. That's right. We uh, and and what we're hoping we can do, in part with the creation of the exchanges, but in part just with a, a lot more effort in the public-private marketplaces, is to integrate more effectively to make it more seamless than it has been in the past. Uh, healthcare is often considered uh, the least transparent of all of our health of all of our economic sectors. It's the only sector of the economy where, at the time of purchase, you don't know what something's going to cost or who's going to pay. And we need to be able to have greater transparency because you can't fix what you can't see. And we're not be able to we're not going to be able to fix any of this until we have greater clarity and transparency. And that in part is what we're trying to do now. Is it going to be rough for a while? Absolutely. But is it going to be better if we use the kind of innovative spirit that America is known for? I would say that's absolutely too. But I, I think it's fine to talk about transparency, but there comes a point where something is so complicated. For example, transparency on nuclear energy. I mean, we can't get down to subatomic particles and expect the American people to really understand that. Most of us haven't even taken a class in physics. In fact, in a recent poll, uh, it, it showed that 8% of the American people preferred the Affordable Health Care Act over Obamacare which, of course, are the one and the same, which, which just proves my point. The public's so confused that they're not really basing their opinions on real facts, but on what ho- radio hosts, television hosts, uh, pundits are telling them. Well, that's exactly right. I, I, I couldn't have said it better. I, I would simply say that you know, there's an old uh, uh, line that I've oftentimes used that uh, – that rumor gets halfway around the world before truth gets its shoes on. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. The the rumors, the innuendo, the misinformation, all of the hyperbole uh, has really created, uh, I think, an information overload and a confusion and, and in many cases, total false impression. Uh, Some of the outrageous statements that are being made are just flat wrong. And there's, you know, the First Amendment, protects all of us, and I, uh, I'm a great defender of the First Amendment, but sometimes free speech uh, doesn't mean accurate speech, and we've got a big responsibility and tried to decipher and, and sort out accuracy from inaccuracy, and that's very difficult on a complicated issue like health care. And what worries me is we can go back over history. I'm a great student of history, and I know you are too. 
And we can see that as levels of complexity get deeper and start to exponentiate, uh, it leaves the door open for false prophets to come along and to offer to interpret these complex acts, these complex problems for the masses. Uh, I see that happening right now all over the media. I even see it in government officials who are offering to be the translators. And, and I am very concerned about this. Well, I think I think everybody should be. I, that, that's the problem. It used to be where I think the media uh, was in a better position to be non-judgmental and really just present the facts. They based their their information, their reports on sources that uh, had to had to be credible and usually had to be n- numerous. Uh, now we don't have any real sourcing anymore. Blogs allow people to say whatever they want to, and people accept what they read oftentimes as fact when it's not. So we have a far more complicated set of circumstances with regard to judging information for what it should be, and that really presents a problem on something like this. You know, the other day, uh, they happened. it was a Sunday afternoon, and they happened to do a rerun of that movie, All the President's Men, and I was smiling to myself as Robert Redford and I think it was Dustin Hoffman were running around trying to find, trying to get confirmation on second and third and fourth sources, and I miss those days. I miss, I miss it when the media would, would not just print things willy-nilly, but they would go looking to be able to verify and validate the stories that they were getting and that the editors really held the line. Uh, Jason Robards played the editor of the New York Times and said, we cannot run that story unless you can get second and third party confirmation. I loved that. Well, I did too. And I remember that line very well. And I, that used to be the way it worked. It worked. I, I've often said that uh, many, you know, it used to be where the media was really the referee when it came to much of this policy and politics in Washington. But uh, more and more frequently, uh, many in the media become participants, not referees. And that has complicated our circumstances dramatically. I would like it very much if our leaders would ask the media to play the role that they used to play, which is they they provided a public service and that public service was oversight. That's right. That's exactly right. They, they, uh, I, I can, I'm old enough to remember people like Walter Cronkite and Huntley and Brinkley, and you, you, you took their word as, as uh, just as, as, as you would uh, um, the facts in a, in a, in an encyclopedia. They were that authentic and real, and you believed them. So let me just ask you one question about health care so that we can get a fact out there. What do you say to experts who are now forecasting that the cost of insurance is going to go up and the quality of care is going to come down as soon as uh, this program gets funded? Well, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. I mean, it's, I, I, the, the, the honest answer is that nobody can tell you authoritatively what's going to happen. But all you have to do is to look at what's happened since the legislation was enacted. In the last three years, the, the growth costs have, uh, have actually been cut in half. Quality is actually going up in many of the uh, very specific criteria one uses. So we're in a much better position today than we were three years ago, and that in part is a result of this law uh, and its enactment. So, mm-hmm. uh, Senator Daschle, we have to take another commercial break, but when we come back, let's pick it up right there. You're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Are you looking for ideas to create a more balanced meal plan? As one of the world's largest providers of fresh fruits and vegetables, Dole makes it easy to eat the right foods. From a wide variety of salad blends and all-natural salad kits to fresh-cut vegetables and a rainbow of your favorite fresh fruit, Dole delivers good nutrition naturally. But Dole goes beyond just offering healthy fruits and vegetables. Dole has their own nutrition institute that gives you the knowledge and tools you need to make smart choices about your nutrition and health. Visit www.dole.com for more information about the Dole Nutrition Institute. Be sure to sign up for their e-newsletter to receive delicious recipes, tips, and articles to help you make your meals the best they can be. Visit www.dole.com for more. 
Before you head out onto the open road, head on over to North Bay Ford and test drive a new eco-friendly, fuel-efficient Ford Energy car or truck. Hello, I'm Bobby Robinson. North Bay Ford is your locally owned dealership with low overhead, friendly, small town values, and great deals on new Ford cars and trucks. Here are two kinds of eco-friendly, energy-efficient Fords you can find right now at North Bay Ford. Get turbocharged direct injection performance with EcoBoost smart performance engines in the Ford Taurus, Explorer, Edge, F-150, Escape, Flex, and Fusion. Or get the power of gasoline and the savings of electricity with the new Ford C-Max and Fusion hybrids. Head over to North Bay Ford and test drive a new eco-friendly, fuel-efficient Ford and enjoy the ride of your life. We look forward to meeting you at locally owned North Bay Ford, 1999 Soquel Avenue, Santa Cruz, or on our web at northbayford.com. Hi, Dale here from Jungle Plant. I thought it was time for you all to hear about the great interior plant service we provide. Hi, this is Amanda from Office Club in Capitola. Jungle Plant has provided our office with beautiful plants and has given us reliable service for the past year. We are so happy that we found affordable plant maintenance that is perfect for our needs. So give us a call at 462-5806 or visit us at jungleplant.com. I shoved the envelope under my sweater and sneaked to the kitchen. Mom was on the phone in the front room. I didn't want to have to explain anything. I just wanted to be by myself. Clutching the envelope tightly, I stepped onto the ladder at the bottom of the treehouse. Something caught my eye above me, and I looked up. <gasps> Light! It looked as if there were a firework display going on inside the treehouse. Crackling and snapping and whizzing sounds spun around above my head. Light shot out and sparks dancing to the popping of noise. My first thought was to scream fire and run to the house to get mom. My legs trembled as I inched upward, creeping up the rungs as quietly as I could. My heart banged so hard that it felt as if someone were hitting my chest. A couple more steps and then I leaned forward, craning my neck to look inside. And then I looked up and saw... To find out what happens next, read Philippa Fisher's Fairy God Sister by Liz Kessler. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Hi, Jacoby here, host of Raising the Standards, right here on KFCO Saturdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Tune in and join me, Rachel, my co-host, our buddy Rick, and some of the most interesting folks in the world as we chat and play the best music on the planet. And remember, if at some point during the program you're not offended, well, you're just not listening. Raising the Standards, Saturdays here on KSEO, 3 to 5. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is former Senate Majority Leader Tom Daschle. And before we went to break, you were saying that no one has a crystal ball, and it's impossible to know whether health care costs will increase. But we do know that the quality of health has been going up in the United States, and um, we had to take a scheduled break, so I wanted to ask you to finish that thought. Well, I was just going to say, because of the advent of uh, health information technology and the extraordinary new benefits that it brings, including more transparency, far more ability to manage data, uh, we're in a stronger position to be able to assess and affect quality. And so quality is going up. And, uh, I can, you know, the Affordable Care Act certainly can't take credit for uh, uh, anything but a part of it, but they can certainly take, can certainly take credit for some. And as I said, costs are starting to come down. So just look at the facts, and that's all we can do at this point. We, we know we're going to spend $35 trillion on health care in the next 10 years. That's more than the next 10 countries combined in the world. So we've got huge cost issues, even if we're bringing down the, the cost growth. But um, we've we started, and that's what matters. Well, let's talk about how to fix the broken healthcare system, in particular, the benefits of computer-assisted decision-making, something I know you feel very strongly about. Can you take a moment to explain what that is and maybe give an example to our audience of how that works? Well, it's, it's really nothing more than just using new technology that didn't exist a few years ago to incorporate what we commonly call best practices in the delivery of better health. Best practices are those documented ways with which to ensure that we're, we're actually using what our 
tested approaches to procedurals and, and to, uh, to overall uh, care in, in just about any setting, whether it's acute or chronic. Um, much like a chef uses a recipe, uh, a doctor uses um, best practices, uses the, the approaches that we know have saved lives and improved health and reduced infections and made people um, better understand their own responsibilities. All of those things are part of this process. It's, it's not meant to be totally prescriptive. Obviously, a doctor or, a, or any provider has to make their own judgment on these circumstances. And sometimes you have multiple issues simultaneously, more than one illness at the same time, or more than one set of health circumstances. But what it does do is provide us with much more of a, a level of confidence and a quality that uh, we just haven't had in the past. And that's a real good thing. That is a good thing. And, and talk about misinformation. Uh, I get a lot of emails from folks who are worried that somehow a computer is going to decide whether they can get a CAT scan or not instead of their physician. Well, there is uh, there is no computer that will ever tell a doctor what or what not to do. The only thing that we can do, though, is to take what we know works. What is the evidence? What is what is the data uh, with regard to a particular circumstances, and weigh that as we make our judgments about care going forward. It's not meant to be that that determinant. It's meant to be another tool as decisions are made, providing care. Right now, we spend about two point eight trillion dollars on health care every year in this country and study after study scores of studies have been done and it said of that 2.7 trillion dollars eight to nine hundred billion is unnecessary it's unnecessary for a lot of reasons but partly it's because we use too much technology partly it's because we have too much uh, um, over care in, in terms of the kinds of testing that's done there are so many reasons why defensive medicine plays a role. There's just too many things that have to be considered as we look at ways to reduce costs and improve quality, and this is going to help us do that. Now, on a different scale, uh, I had the opportunity to see IBM's big data system called Watson in use, and uh, it's a great example of the difference in quality of care patients get when a computer can search all the available medical data on the Internet and then give the healthcare professional that's going to make the decision a list of diagnoses in order of their probability. And then it, what, what I try to explain to people is if you have that kind of resource, in, uh, let's say in an ER room, Suddenly, it doesn't matter whether by luck of the draw, you get the best physician or the worst one because they can query that system and put in your symptoms and the system's going to come back and say, well, uh, my estimation is 98% the patient has this, 64% they have this, 39% they have this. But if you go and get me the following information, I can improve my diagnosis by 26% or 48%. And when people... People begin to understand that it's a tool. Computer-assisted uh, computer de- decision-making is really just a tool to hand to the physician. It's not going to make the decision. That's, I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly right. It's basically using the technology that we use in almost every other industry. We use it to go to space. We use it in uh, the extraordinary uh, new ways of applying uh, new science to um, uh, an array of different aspects of uh of, of our economy today, we think it's time that we do it in healthcare too. Um, in many ways, we have a 21st century operating room and a 19th century uh, administrative room. We've got to bring the administrative room, that is the decision-making aspects of health administration, into the 21st century. And by the way, I don't know of a single physician that doesn't welcome the help. I think the last polls that that uh, were taken, a physician would have to do 160 hours of reading every week in order to stay current in their field. And they did a second poll and they discovered that they're in fact doing less than one hour of reading a week. Well, that's right. They're just so inundated right now with paperwork and with too much of the administrative aspects of this. They can't do what they were trained and what they really their passion is, which is to give better health and to save lives and to and to find ways in which to do it even better. This gives them that opportunity. 
Absolutely. Uh, I don't know of a single person, and I know people always like to assign, you know, nefarious motives, but I don't know a single person who's gone through the rigors of medical school thinking that they were, you know, going to make lots of money and that that was their primary motive. Their primary motive is that they want to help people. They want to be there for people, and they're getting to spend less and less time doing that. Uh, And if we think that we're suffering from information overload, my goodness, uh, I can't even imagine what it's like working in the health care system right now. Uh, what a bu- bureaucracy and, and dealing with all these different subsystems, something has to be done. And I think that even though the system that is on the table now is not perfect, and I don't hear anybody saying it is, uh, I think that uh, we have a long history of testing and learning. We put things out there and we make adjustments uh, as we go along. Um, now, unfortunately, um, th- there's been a lot of talk that uh, the Affordable Health Care Act has led to employers. Uh, rejuggling full-time jobs and turning them into part-time jobs so that people won't be entitled, can't qualify. Uh, what can you say about that? Well, actually, I, I just checked with the Department of Labor um, in the last couple of weeks because I wanted to get the facts. And again, going to an earlier part of our conversation, uh, I've heard those same reports. And so mm-hmm. I was surprised to, to learn the Department of Labor said that just isn't happening. We aren't. You are seeing an occasional employer do that, but actually we're seeing numbers go up of full-time employees. We're actually seeing an improvement of our employment picture. So this is another one of these rumors that gets halfway around the world before truth gets its shoes on. Uh, is it going to happen occasionally? Sure. Uh, there are going to be people who do that, but we just haven't seen enough evidence of it. And the Labor Department says that you don't see uh, substantial changes in the way with which employers are looking at their employee uh, relationships today. So uh, it's a good thing you asked the question, and I would encourage people to to do their own real fact-checking on this. They'll probably be as surprised as I was. I am surprised to hear that. So are you saying that the number of full-time jobs is increasing at a higher rate than the number of part-time jobs? I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that the number of full-time jobs in this country has gone up every month this year, mm-hmm. and in part, um, people are, uh, at least the people I've talked to, are saying they don't see any any real uh, dramatic, uh, or even a, uh, a consequential change in employment patterns as a result of the passage of the Affordable Care Act. There are isolated cases, and there are, you know, the, the, the news media has been very good about finding this <laughs> sure. Employer, but people are trying to make the exception the rule, and that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. Now, we have to go to our last break, but stay right where you are. We'll be back with Tom Daschle. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. Fifty years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. But something you may not know is that Dr. King was represented by the world's foremost speaking agency, the American Program Bureau. The American Program Bureau has a courageous history of representing luminaries, entertainers, and motivators from all backgrounds. From Ronald Reagan, Richard Branson, and Mikhail Gorbachev to John Stewart, Michael Douglas, and Desmond Tutu. From A-list celebrities to best-selling authors, cutting-edge business leaders, and the greatest minds in academia, the American Program Bureau has speakers to fit every venue and every budget. When corporations, conferences, schools, and community organizations need an expert speaker, they turn 
turn to the American Program Bureau to help them craft an event that will be remembered long afterwards. To inquire about a speaker for your next engagement, contact the American Program Bureau at 800-225-4575 or visit our website at apbspeakers.com. The American Program Bureau, making history one speech at a time. Hi, I'm Patty Childress with the American Red Cross. KSCO is sponsoring the American Red Cross Blood Drive on October 21st from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the American Red Cross Santa Cruz County Chapter Office at 2960 Soquel Avenue. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS to schedule your appointment. Walk-ins are also welcome. All blood types are needed, but donors with blood types O, A negative, and B negative are especially in demand. Join us in supporting the community blood supply and local patients in need. Donate blood at the KSCO Blood Drive on October 21st. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS. Together, we can help save lives. Thank you. Folks, Michael Olson here at Santa Cruz Electronics, where doing it yourself is going to a whole new level. Just witnessed cutting-edge technology CNC milling machine. John Bowers, what does this machine do? It whittles away material from whatever it is you're working with and uh, removes everything until you get to the shape of the part that you want. Just saw John mill out his own wrench from a chunk of material. He put a computer program in, turned the machine on, the machine said... Yes, John, here's your wrench. This is a game changer technology. It certainly is. It actually allows oh, you and I and other folks to uh, be able to do small-scale manufacturing uh, right out of their garage. Come down here to Santa Cruz Electronics on Soquel Avenue and get a demonstration learn how to do it. It's uh, great fun and can be rewarding, too. Come and look at it right here at Santa Cruz Electronics, 2808 Soquel Avenue. It's a CNC milling machine. Dream up a widget in the morning and have it done in the afternoon and put it on eBay at night. Just like that, right, John? You bet. I'm Jim Bohannon, host of America in the Morning. Each day, we take you around America and the world to bring you the latest. And while we keep our eye on the top news, we never lose sight of all the information you need to make your life complete. Morning Drive jumpstarts your day. What jumpstarts your morning drive? We'd like to join Jim Bohannon on America in the Morning, 5 to 6, Monday through Friday on KSCO. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Mr. Tom Daschle. Um, now, I, I want to get back to the current state of affairs in our nation's capital, because I think one of the things we seem to lack is a sense of perspective. And having served in uh, Congress for many years, I think that's something that you can offer us today. So um, I, I'm sure I speak for many Americans when I say that uh, we seem to have a lot of problems stacking up, like all planes in the air all trying to land on the same runway. Uh, we, we haven't gotten to the bottom of what happened at Benghazi. Uh, we've got the Snowden NSA security leak situation and the fact that the Patriot Act has made warrantless surveillance legal. Then there's the IRS targeting White House enemies, the debt ceiling, which looks like they're going to give a stay of execution for 90 days or so, and then we'll be right back here all over again in February. Uh, we, we haven't come to terms with what we're going to do about immigration or gun control or detainees who now have been held for over a decade at Guantanamo without being charged. And then we've got lackluster economic growth with more small businesses failing than in any other time in 40 years. Um, you're part of this bipartisan group. Here's my question. Can't you folks straighten out some of these things from the outside? Because I'm a diehard optimist, Mr. Daschle, but we don't seem to have a good handle on our problems anymore. Well, I think it's one of the most challenging chapters in, in recent history. I, I don't know there's ever been a time outside of crisis um, where we've had um, as many challenges on our plate as we do right now. And as others have oftentimes said, decisions are made either through crisis or through leadership. And what we really have to have is leadership on both sides of the aisle and in Congress and the White House. So we need, we so badly need strong, effective, compelling leadership 
Um, and it's, uh, we also have to they, – they, uh, most politicians, when they come to Washington, have a choice to make. Do they stand their ground or do they find common ground? And oftentimes they try to do both, stand their ground, but then ultimately come to the conclusion you can't govern a democracy unless you find common ground. The problem is we have too many who now refuse to even look for common ground, and that makes government totally dysfunctional. So what we can do at the BPC is offer effective ways to show where Democrats and Republicans can come together, number one. Number two, we can offer venues for people to come together. And number three, we can we can prod, we can encourage, we can do as much as possible to try to create catalytic forces to bring people to that conclusion that they've got to come together. That's what we've been trying to do, and I wish we could be even more successful than we have been. But what would it take for you to be more successful? Because you've got this outside group that knows many of the uh, main actors. Well, I think that the problem uh, is that there are a lot of interest groups. There are a lot of people with uh, with influence in part because of the, the money and resources they can bring to the table that... Uh, that have loud voices and megaphones, and even though they may not be large in number, uh, they've got uh, enormous capacity uh, to uh, influence members, in part because of the the, the, the extraordinary uh, 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 visibility that they have uh, in Washington and, and because of their access to members of Congress. And so uh, that's, that's a problem. We've got to address the quality of our democracy in, in a number of ways if we're, if we're concerned about uh, the direction our country's taking. And I think we've got to – one thing that we don't hear too much about, and it's probably too inside baseball to even talk about here, but members of Congress don't spend much time in Washington anymore. They're flying – back and forth. They they usually leave, believe it or not, they leave on Thursdays. They come back on Tuesdays and we're supposed to govern on Wednesdays. And uh, you can't run a country this complicated, this large and and uh, with this much at stake um, with that little time in Washington. I couldn't agree with you more. And there's been a lot of guests that we've had that have said that the in the old days used to have barbecues at each other's homes. And, you know, you, you a lot got done eating a hamburger and drinking a beer, you know, out on the back lawn. I mean, there was a lot of business and that gets done uh, not on the House floor and not running in, in, into each other's offices and certainly not by the um, necessarily through the party leaders. Um, but you make a good point. You know, you, you're either going to uh, respond to crisis or you're going to uh, proactively provide leadership and we seem to only come together the last time i remember this country coming together was after 9-11 and i think there's a reason that hollywood keeps making movies where a meteor is going to hit the earth or we're going to have a, uh, a a mars alien invasion it's because the world all gets itself together under a crisis but do we really have to operate that way isn't there i mean isn't there some way that your bipartisan organization can get in there and take care of business you you don't really have anything to lose well we can't substitute uh, as much as sometimes i think there's a there's a desire to do so we can't really substitute what the constitution requires with regard to to, to congress and its responsibilities we elect members of congress to to fulfill the responsibilities that are that uh, that that are really uh, limited and directed to members. And all we can do is encourage and to try to make their job easier. Much as we were talking about doctors and finding ways to help them, we want to be able to help legislators do a better job. And um, But we can offer them tools. We can offer them uh, ideas for using those tools. But ultimately, it's their responsibility to govern. That's, that's uh, the way the Constitution uh, works. Here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see your organization give uh, a statement Stamp of approval or some ranking system in terms of a, a representative's uh, um, uh, bipartisan participation, so to speak, like a UL label, you know, or uh, or some kind of stamp of approval that this person is trying to work things out and is not going to uh, create greater divisiveness and consternation. Isn't there some way you could put a, a stamp of approval? <laughs> 
Well, actually, I I, uh, I think there are I, I, I'm, the BPC isn't doing that at least for the moment. But right. I, I've uh, I've I've just been recently uh, informed that there are a couple of other organizations that may be doing exactly that. So your idea is a good one, and I think uh, it's a matter of time before somebody picks up on it. Saluting bipartisanship and saluting common ground and those people willing to cross the aisle and to and not to look at party labels or party philosophy or party politics, but to look at what's best for the country. And I, I think, hope we yeah, come up with something yeah. like that, because I think that'll really influence the voters, particularly in light of what's happened. Well, that is our program for today. But before we say goodbye, regardless of how Americans feel about the Affordable Health Care Act, we all owe you a debt of gratitude for the years of public service. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Daschle. Very kind. Thank you, Rebecca. If your station is leaving us after this hour uh, and you have a question or a comment to make about today's program, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or send me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're pretty much all over the Internet, so drop me a line and let me know what you thought about our conversation today with Mr. Daschle. And if you missed the full interview with Daschle or any of our other guests, you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and also our new YouTube channel where you'll find lots of new videos and in particular, have a look at my video picks for the week. I think you'll really enjoy those. Uh, I also want to thank listeners who have ordered autographed books from our website. Thank you for supporting good old-fashioned reporting the way it used to be when we didn't know and we didn't care what Walter Cronkite or Harry Reasoner's political views were. Uh, We knew they were going to be respectful and fair and that they were going to go after the story. And that's what you vote for when you order a copy of The Watchman's Rattle from our website. You vote with your dollars. So why not cast your ballot right now? Go to RebeccaCosta.com and order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a page turner that explains how we got into this mess and what we're going to do to dig our way out. Next week... We're going to go from the big picture to the really, really, really big picture. (laughs) My guest is the always entertaining astrophysicist, Dr. Mario Lavio, who's going to talk about how many more failures than successes scientists experience every day of the week and how there's mounting evidence that great discoveries come from intuition rather than formalism. Uh, And I I am going to tell you, if you've ever heard Mario Lavio, Lavio. He is, um, well, how should I say this? He's kind of the Carl Sagan of astrophysicists, I I, I guess. And some of you are probably shaking your heads. We've got a lot of young listeners here that are going, who's Carl Sagan? (laughs) Well, I'm just old enough that he was one of my heroes. I remember him on uh, television saying, millions and millions and millions of stars. And uh, I hope that rings a bell with some of you listening today. Don't miss Dr. Mario Lavio next week right here on the Costa Report, the only weekly news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for the second hour of Riveting Radio following these important messages. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.